Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. And this time, once again, I have very few movies, although I have an excuse, okay. which is that I, I've actually watched a dozen more movies than I'll be talking about because yeah, yeah. of our, our main episode this week, uh, which which you'll be uh, on assignment for. I'm not sure where I'm going to pretend that you are, but you won't be there. I'll just be over <laughs> um, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, but it should be another another short one. I feel like I feel like we're doing something wrong every time because we're because of this. We're on lockdown and we're like not watching hella movie. Although I did this week, but we're like I feel yeah. like our movie journalist should be two hours long every week, and it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with what's going on over here. Uh, honestly, <laughs> um, especially because I'm I am actively going out of my way to watch movies that I haven't seen. Now, in this case, I only have three. Um, and there are a couple movies that I watched that were rewatches because that's what I watch with Jen. Um, but uh, I have a, a, a very odd mix. Like last week, it's like, I got Kurosawa. I got all kinds of stuff. Nothing like that this time. Don't worry. Oh, well, let's, let's jump in then. Okay. Uh, a film I had never seen and uh, I was in the mood for something light, but I that, that I hadn't seen. I'd heard nothing but good things about it. I finally, at long last, saw Alan Metter's Back to School, uh, starring Rodney Dangerfield. And wait, I'm trying to remember who uh, who's the younger person in that movie. His, like his son. It's his son. Okay, yeah. Uh, Keith Gordon, who I who is a director now, but I actually knew him as an actor. He played a significant role in Jaws two. Um, and he directed Waking the Dead with Billy Crudup. Is that the Keith Gordon we're talking about? Uh, gosh, maybe. Uh, I think. So. I don't know. Well, now I have to look this up. So I've. So oh, let's see here. Okay. Uh, yes, that's him. Oh, and he also made Mother Night, a movie that I that oh, I yeah. really like. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, the Singing Detective, it would appear. So yeah, he's been around uh, a while. So but, I'll um, say before you get started, the Back okay. to School is one of those movies that I like can't officially say that I've seen because I saw it on TV a lot as a kid. So I'm very oh, familiar sure. with it, but I've probably seen like a TV edited version, you know, so I don't, I don't feel comfortable saying that I've seen it, even though I've actually seen a lot of it a lot of times. I certainly know what the triple indie is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, uh, and you know, I mean, it's, I don't actually know what, what it is, uh, what it's rated. Um, I don't, remember thinking it's, it's a pg-13 according is to it a PG-13? okay according to the internet movie database i've heard of that site it's pretty good um but uh yeah i can't think of anything remarkably offensive about it there might be some language here and there but uh, it could just be that like my filter is gone at this point and i have no idea what is considered offensive um if you're a fan of rodney dangerfield which i am uh very much so uh, then it's, it's for you. It, it is, uh, it's the kind, and it's very much the kind of situation that you would have found a Groucho Marx in, you know, which is this fish out of water, you know, slobs versus snobs kind of situation where this guy who is, who's 
rich, but uneducated. He's, he's done well with his like big and tall man shops. Um, <laughs> and, uh, his son played by Keith Gordon is, uh, is in college right now and not doing well. And so his dad's like, well, I'll come to school with you. And from a story standpoint, from a character standpoint, it's actually pretty solid. Um, which I wasn't expecting. I, I just assumed it was just going to be a constant joke machine, which in some cases it is, but uh, there's more to Rodney Dangerfield's character. There's more to his relationship with his son than I expected at all. Um, and, uh, and I thought it was uh, very funny. And, you know, the, the thing that I, the thing that I had heard a lot about um, listening to never not funny and listening to our, our friend, Mike Schmidt and all that uh, there's, there's an exchange that is every bit as, delightful as I thought, which is, um, Keith Gordon and his, uh, roommate played by a young, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Um, are buying used textbooks as one does. And, uh, and his That's dad can't understand. Yeah. It's what I did. Um, and uh, his dad can't figure out why are you buying it used, you know? And he said, he's like, well, you know, uh, it's a little trick. It's a college trick that, you know, the last person is, has already like underlined all the, all the important stuff. <laughs> Dangerfield is like, he goes, he's like, yeah, but you don't know that guy could have been a maniac. And so I just love the idea that there's this insane person who's underlining all the wrong things. Um, and then uh, there's one where he's, he, he keeps asking out uh, Sally Kellerman, who's one of his instructors. And um, he says, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And she says, Oh, I have class. And he goes, well, what are you doing tomorrow? And she says, I have class. And he goes, well, when you've got no class, come to me, you know, uh, come talk to me. And it's like, that's, it's just the perfect, like Rodney Dangerfield kind of that's thing. Great. So it is. I think you'd like it a lot. I need to watch this for real because I'm looking at, I, I know, you know, cause you just watched it, but let me run through this cast. Oh yeah. It's impressive. So mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield, Sally Kellerman, Burt Young, um, Keith Gordon, Robert Downey Jr. Um, M. Emmett Walsh. Yeah. Adrian Barbeau, William Zabka, mm-hmm. Ned Beatty, Sam Kinison, Robert Picardo, Kurt Vonnegut. Yes, as himself. <laughs> Edie McClurg, um, Jason Hervey, a.k.a. Wayne from Wonder Years. Yeah, he plays um, the, yo- the young uh, uh, Ronnie Dangerfield. And then finally, as themselves, Oingo Boingo. Yeah, uh, in the opening credits, uh, I the music, I was like, this sounds vaguely familiar um i was like but it just it, it's like this sounds like danny elfman but a very 80s danny elfman and sure enough he did the music for it and i was yeah. like oh yeah i guess everyone's got to start somewhere like i realized that he didn't just burst onto the scene with tim burton movies uh yeah. he'd been doing various things and uh kind of like yeah. how Jan- janusz kaminski shot cool as ice the vanilla ice vehicle <laughs> that's, that's right he did oh boy um so, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't necessarily, I wouldn't say I loved it. I didn't, I didn't laugh quite as, I didn't laugh out loud quite as much as I, as I thought I was going to, but, um, but I still enjoyed it and it actually had more heart to it than I expected. Great. Uh, I should, I should check it out again or for the first time. Okay. Um, do you want me to, uh, you do another one. All right. So a movie that was, I would say, exactly what I expected, negatively so, was oh. Zombieland Double Tap. Oh, yeah. And didn't, suddenly... Didn't see that one. Because, you know, because I, I like the first one. I know you don't necessarily no, love I'm it. I'm not a big fan. Um, I like the first one because there was a certain degree of novelty 
to it and its tone. Um, it's no Shaun of the Dead, obviously, but but it definitely it's it's so the first one is, is very knowing, but also finds a certain degree of heart in its characters. This idea of like survival versus living um, and that sort of thing. So uh, the fact that there was a sequel 10 years later um, was, it's just like, okay, well on one hand it's like, okay, they brought everyone back uh, including a post Oscar uh, Emma stone and all these people have been nominated since then. And so I thought like, okay, well, either they had a really great time making the first one and wanted to make uh, another one and enjoyed themselves. Uh, or maybe this whole thing is just uh, a too late opportunity to bring in some money. And I do think that it, I, it could be both. I think it is both, um, okay. <laughs> but it, it runs the risk. It's, I had the same thought about the second Anchorman movie, which still has some laughs and zombie land double tap has some laughs. Um, where it's just like, you know, when you when you make a sequel this long after the original, you've given the original time to become maybe something of a cult classic and become very quotable. And once you do that, then there's going to be an expectation that you say that you quote these mm. things or you or you try to go over the same territory. And sure enough, with Zombieland, like they they do find a couple new beats to play here and there, but for the most part, it just feels like a greatest hits of the first. And so thankfully they, they do, they have some additions to the cast that are very welcome. Um, but for the most part, uh, the thing that I, that I like the most about it, oddly enough, is that there seems to be a real emphasis on characters living you know, when you watch any zombie movie, comedy or otherwise, characters are going to die. Whereas here, everyone seems genuinely committed to helping each other and and uh, helping each other and in getting through it. And I kind of found that refreshing. Um, but that's you know that's uh, a pretty small uh, thing to really like about the about the movie. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was just a just a mostly a big waste of time. A couple moments here and there, but who cares? All right. Well, the uh, one movie that I watched um, is much like it's a very different movie from Back to School, but much like Back to School, it's a movie that I've been meaning to watch for a long time because I'm a big fan of director Mira Nair, mm, and I had okay. never seen her uh, narrative feature directorial debut, 1988's Salam Bombay. I have oh, okay. to say it like that because there's a, an exclamation point at the end. Of course. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't let down. It's it has all of those mirror and air touches of being um, very exuberant and warm and um, and uh, full of joy, but also being realistic. I, I mean, I think uh, Monsoon Wedding is, I think, one of the movies of the. 21st century so far i'm not hmm. sure uh i mean I, I i love monsoon wedding i what year did I, that come out for some reason i think it is a, oh okay all right uh, no 2001 2001 okay i think of it as a 90s movie but i guess yeah, yeah. 2001 okay. we were in college um and then she made uh the underrated vanity fair from 2004 with this hmm. spoon she made the namesake which is a movie that i love yeah um and then i kind of tuned out for a while and then i saw queen of katwe which i didn't th think was that great but um 
uh, I just really like her sort of it's humanism in a way that's not like everything's great. It's there's great in everything. Do you know what I mean? There's a real yeah. warmth and a real, a real love for people and, a, but, but a clear eyed approach to them. And so, yeah. um, Bay kind of, it, without getting as like violent or criminal as these movies, it reminds me of like a Pichot or a city of God or a slumdog millionaire, um, where you've got the, 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 the lead is, uh, a poor kid who gets sort of caught up in bad, uh, a bad situation. And so mm-hmm. you've got this kid, you later find out that he was like essentially kicked out of his home. He's like, nine years old or whatever you kicked out of his home by his, uh, abusive older brother, um, and his mother who took his brother's side and he had joined the circus. And then when we meet him, the circus has essentially abandoned him. They hmm. like sent him on an errand. And when he came back, the circus was gone. Oh boy. Um, so then he goes, he just sort of has the money that he took from his boss and tries to and get to the nearest big city, which is Bombay where he ends up getting a job in a tea shop delivering tea in the red light district. So he's working around basically uh, pimps and prostitutes and befriending them, uh, including uh, there's some really ugly stuff that happens. You know, there's the, there's a the pimp who's very abusive, both to the, the prostitutes that he uh, exploits and, and the other sort of like drug dealers that he employs. Um, there's one of the main characters is a very young girl who is being groomed by a madam um, because I guess uh, virgins go for a high price in, in the brothel. It's there's, yeah, there's some really like uh, upsetting, uh, you know, uh, hardcore stuff that you would consider gritty in most movies, but Mira Nair grit is not how she comes to things. Right. You know, there's, there's this uh, prevailing sense of, community to the movie even when people are fucking each other each other over there's still sort of like a um we're cut off from the world and we are we're all like this is a, a self-contained little uh uh you know criminal underside of bombay but it's its own uh little microcosm little ecosystem um and the the character whose name is krishna um the, the main the main character it's a is a terrific uh, child performance is mostly I, I mentioned movies Pichot, city of god some like millionaire for some reason these type of movies uh, always get these great child performances uh, in, in them and um you really sort of uh uh root for the kid i think that's that's the way the like there are large stretches of this movie where it could unlike something like city of god where this could be a kids movie it's like a kids adventure movie mm. except Every once in a while, he runs a tor- uh, you know, runs a corner, and there's a pimp like slapping around a prostitute or whatever. Like, um, it's it's violent, it's realistic, but it also has such um, belief in the value um, of life and in the <laughs> worthiness of living. Uh, I really think it's a a, a great a great movie. Um, belongs up there with the great Mirror and Air movies, and also people check out the namesake. Who? Oh, by the way, uh, Irfan Khan who is in, who is, has become, he's in some, some of the millionaires and mm-hmm. namesake. He's become, uh, uh, a big name has a very small role in Salam Bombay. When the, uh, the boy is, the boy wants to write home to his mother, but doesn't know how to write in Irfan Khan plays a character who's essentially, mm-hmm. I guess, a scribe. He does this for the poor kids who don't know how to write or poor people who don't know how to write. He takes money to write letters, 
for them. He's got one scene, but uh, um, it's weird seeing Irfan Khan, this character actor that I think of as like personifying like quiet, noble middle age being like, he's like 20 in this movie, <laughs> like 19, yeah, 20 years old. Crazy. And he's like this, this skinny kid. Um, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I uh, think of yeah. him as like an authority figure. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's playing this, uh, I, cause I think of him first probably from Slumdog Millionaire. Um, but then he was also uh, a, a billionaire character in Jurassic World. Like, oh. yeah, seeing did him like see... a little upstart. Did you see The Lunchbox? I did not. I've heard, uh, oh. I heard really great things. That's one. Not only should you watch it, you and Jenny should watch it together. Is it very romantic? It's a, yeah, it's a great romance. It's a great, okay. like, uh, sort of very India-specific rom-com. There's a lot of fun. Okay. And he's great in it. But with that, by, by the way, so if he's 20 in Slumdog or in, in Slumdog Bay, that means he's only 40 in Slumdog Millionaire. He seems older there. He definitely exudes uh, a certain uh, quality to him. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so my, my last film, we're rushing through this, which is exciting. Um, <laughs> but uh, I finally, uh, at long last, caught up with Justin Lin's Better Luck Tomorrow. Wow. Um, a film that I... So here's, okay, uh, in case any of my students are listening, a little peek behind the curtain. Um, sometimes I assign movies that I myself want to watch um, and haven't yet. So I can't really vouch for if they're great or not, but I do, this is for my crossing cultures class, uh, talking about like uh, depictions of uh, uh, Asian Americans in, in the U.S., uh, specifically from that perspective and uh and so i knew enough about better luck tomorrow and its reputation to be like okay this will be a fine thing to assign um but yeah it's a way for me to catch up on movies without actually eating into my free time which is wonderful um so you've seen have you seen better luck tomorrow i, I saw it i mean luckily it was i'm looking at the release schedule um it's because it played some festivals sundance in toronto mm -hmm. um but it was in limited release in early april of 2003 in chicago was where we yeah. lived was one of the cities so i saw it opening night. i saw it april 11 2003 opening night and i remember thinking that apparently i was the only non-asian person in chicago who got like who was aware <laughs> that this movie was because it was me and just Asian people and it was it was uh, uh, it was great uh, I I don't know that the movie holds up but it was uh, I think in an early you know 2003 was a lot of, was before there was so much com conversation about like representation and stuff yeah. and seeing that kind of turnout and that kind of audience reaction and very specific laughter and things that I didn't necessarily think were sure. as funny like it was a really eye-opening early sort of experience uh, and education in that for me yeah and I actually find that oddly heartwarming the idea that that within that community, like this film was known and, and that they were coming out to support an opening night and were excited mm -hmm. to see it. Um, but uh, because, yeah, the film certainly because of uh, film festivals got uh, some pretty uh, great buzz. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that clip. I posted as often as I can for, uh, from Sundance uh, during the Q and a, where there was a uh, an, an older white gentleman who said, "Hey, the, you you can make a movie, but why on earth with so little Asian American representation? Why would you choose to tell a story about these guys who are uh, criminals and mm -hmm. low lives and kind of dumb, despite being incredibly smart uh, and yeah. all of that?" And so he's saying, "Why would you choose to to do that?" And he's being very judgmental. And then 
old Roger Ebert stands up and just, just bashes this guy. And he says, and it's, it's one of my favorite, like in that moment, I feel like, Oh yes, that's what a critic does because he, he spe- he starts speaking kind of theoretically and he says, these characters have the right to be whoever the hell they want to be. It doesn't matter if they're seen as representations of their people, they are going to do what they need to do. And I, and I love that. I love that idea that like, Hey, make whatever movie you want to make. If these characters were Italian, no one would bat an eye at this film because yeah. it's clearly influenced and by uh, Goodfellas. Further evidence that Roger Ebert had more critical fortitude than you or I, he stays for a Q&A at a film festival. I know. <laughs> I'm I know. normally an advocate of sitting through the credits uh, when I go to sure. the movies at a film festival. There's a Q&A. I am out of there the second directed by comes on the screen because I don't want yeah. any part of that. I really don't. And it's... It really runs counter to uh, to what a lot of people think. It's like, oh, I want to hear what the director has to say. And in this case, because it is from a unique perspective, maybe I would have stayed, but likely not. And I guarantee the minute that guy started talking, be like, this is too uncomfortable. I'm leaving. Um, yeah. The only time I will make a point of staying is either because I'm like sort of uh, uh, I can't get out of my row. Sure. Or if it's a movie in which I in which there's a a person who is funny or whose comedic persona I like, who is going to sure. be in the Q and A. If there's some chance that it'll be funny, I'll stay. I stayed at the Sundance Q and A for the Polka King just to see Jack Black and Jenny Slate. And Jenny Slate didn't even uh, wasn't even didn't end up even being oh, there. Um, uh, she had been at the screening the night before, I guess. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember if there were any more recent than that, but that's that's about it. Well, and I've I've said this before that like uh, I, I've been on one or two panels that have a Q and a and oh, it turns out when you're on the panel, you can't just leave when somebody <laughs> asks a dumb question. Uh, you have to actually take it seriously, uh, which is unfortunate, but yeah, uh, I, I liked better luck tomorrow quite a bit. I think it can be argued that parts of it. I mean, you know, what does hold up mean? Like there's a, there's a moment where a character uh, uses uh, the F word, not that one, the other one, not oh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. We fuck is, fine um but uh i have a t-shirt that says that but uh so he (laughs) uses that term and you know on one hand it's like yeah this character is not super sensitive to that sort of thing but you're also not exactly sure how the film is trying to present it it's hard to say but uh and and certainly there it it has a guy Ritchie feel to it uh it's you can see the Uh, influence i think um at the time, I remember Goodfellas being the, the oh, comparison. No question about it. Yes. Because it even um, has like the, I can't remember if it's cocaine because I haven't seen it since opening night. But it's there's cocaine. Like, yeah, there's, the, there's, there's coke and guns and in a yeah. very sort of stressed out Henry Hill type of way, I remember. Yes. Uh, you can see all the, uh, you know, it's, it's a testament to Justin Lin as a director, even a young director, that you can see all the influences and yet there's still a voice there and there's still, he still puts his own stamp on it. I think the cast is, is uniformly really great and they find the right notes to play. And uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I didn't, I wouldn't say I necessarily loved it, but, uh, but certainly trying to kind of put myself into like the, the mindset of the time, I can imagine how refreshing this would have been uh, seeing it at a film festival and just seeing like, all right, this is an instance where you have uh, a, a 
director of a certain ethnicity, a cast that's almost exclusively uh, of that same uh, ethnicity, except for oddly enough in the role of a certain teacher. Yeah. You, you just saw it, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Jerry Mathers. Yeah. And great. at first as I'm watching, I was just like, wait a second. Is that the, is that the beeve? Yeah, it is. That's weird. <laughs> That's a weird choice. Uh, he does fine, but um, but yeah. So I I really uh, I really enjoyed the movie, and and I haven't yet uh, read what my students thought of it, but I'm intrigued to see what uh, what they'll say. So yeah, I'd be curious to see what I thought of it um, today. Yeah, um, but I do remember this is a pre Harold and Kumar. John Cho shows up in this. It is. And, uh, and next week, um, uh, in that for the same class, I'm going to be showing, uh, Koganada's, uh, Columbus, uh, featuring, uh, John Cho, but, um, it was either that or crazy rich Asians, but, uh, I frankly would rather show Columbus just because people are less likely to see it on their own. Yeah. They're both movies, but yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, as opposed to just something that is higher profile. So anyway. um, Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's it for me.